Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode four, correct? Correct. This is, this is episode four on chapter four. Episode four on chapter four, right, because the introduction yeah. was chapter zero. That's or right. That was episode zero and chapter zero. That's right. Seasock Reading Club, hope you guys are reading along and enjoying the normal Christian faith as we are. Yes. What an incredible book it has been and to... Uh, see and consider um, how can how can we prove looking at the universe and with what correct qualifications we can see yes god exists and he wants he desires to have fellowship with man and communicate to us through at least two different ways yeah. and that he's now becoming a, he has become a man and that man is Christ Jesus i really love how washman has put this together now we're looking at chapter 4 here, God becoming man, and looking at the second half, you might say, even though it's more than half, of the qualifications Watchman Nee has laid out for us. If God had become a man and were going to be among us, what would he look like? That's what right. act like? So, before we dive in, I just wanted to review the qualifications he laid out in the previous chapter. The last chapter on God becoming man was primarily on his claim to be God. That's right. Jesus claimed to be God. Did he do that? He did, did he that. He claimed it. Several times. Yeah. Explicitly. And the second chapter here is going to be on the last four of the five qualifications he laid out. So the second one, the way this person came into the world must be different from ours. Third, this man must bear a moral standard that is far above that of all other human beings. Fourth, if a person is God, he must necessarily be able to perform things which no mortal man can do. And five, he must be able to tell us the divine purpose concerning man. He must have knowledge that we don't right. and can communicate that revelation to us. Right. So, Kyle, um, get us into this chapter here and yeah. kind of bring us into this first qualification that he's going to be yeah. talking with us about. So remember, the first qualification in chapter four is... If God were to become a man, yes. one of our presuppositions would be we would expect that his entrance into the world would be unique. Right. That's the point here. Not the same as ours. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, if you were just, you know, born in the hospital, you had your mom and dad, nothing was uh, strange or unusual, God could have entered the world that way. Yeah. But we would expect him to mark off his entry with a little bit more of a... Uh, you know, an event that Agreed. caught our attention. Agreed. Um, and watch me in the last chapter says, you know, for instance, if someone literally just descended out of heaven, that would be pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty remarkable. We would, we would expect, wow, this guy's not normal. <laughs> yeah. Something different about this yeah, guy. Yeah, something different. Yeah. Um, so this brings us to the topic of the virgin birth. Mm. Um, and all Christians uh, affirm this. Yes. It's in the earliest creeds. And uh, Matthew and Luke both address this. Uh, story, the, the narrative of Jesus' birth, of course they approach it from different kind of angles and mm. I'll, I'll look into that in a second, but the point is Jesus' birth, his entry into the world, marks him off as unique. Yes. And uh, watch when he kind of gets into this, and so I just want to I just want to mention a few things that really stuck out to me. Um, of course, the very first thing to uh, to note here is you know, the virgin birth, uh, what we're talking about, really we're talking about the virgin conception. Mm. But what we're talking about is the fact that Jesus, is, it's claimed in the New Testament that Jesus does not have a human father. Right. He's conceived 
in the womb of Mary, asexually, uh, by an act of God, a creative, a new creative act of God uh, that's really unexplainable yeah. as far as we understand right now, mm-hmm. uh, scientifically. And so a lot of people balk at this. You know, it seems far-fetched. It seems impossible. So I want to make a couple of points. The first thing to note is if, you know, if you're a Christian, this just comes down to an authority of Scripture issue. Right. And the Bible makes this claim. Strongly. It doesn't dance around it. Yeah. Um, and so if you're wondering, well, can't we just kind of jettison this, these verses, this topic, and maybe say, you know, this is really just kind of like a myth. You know, it's, it's a way of uh, framing Jesus' significance that's maybe tapping into other pagan parallels. Aren't there, aren't there a lot of religions and people in the past, antiquity, that are sons of God, quote, quote, and Christians are just kind of tapping into that ancient myth just to kind of make the point, hey, Jesus is also quote, quote, a son of God, and no, the Christians, yeah, no, you know, the, the gospel writers, Matthew and Luke, are <laughs> yeah. saying this actually happened. Exactly. This actually happened. Yeah. And so if we can jettison these verses, we can jettison Anything. any verses exactly. in the Bible. Exactly. If we put ourselves over Scripture and say we can decide what can stay what won't go, then we can let anything go. Yeah, and that's not a safe place to be. Yeah, so if you're a Christian... Um, this is in the New Testament, and it's authority of Scripture issue. Mm-hmm. So we've got, we've got to take it. Uh, and I also thought it was interesting, Chris, I was looking into this. Um, Muslims also believe Jesus was uh, born through the Virgin Mary. Yeah, it's the Virgin Conception. Muslims very also ascribe to that. Not that uh, we base our adherence to Scripture based on what other people, other religious groups would affirm, but it's, interest, it's an interesting kind of pause to me mm-hmm. for the Christian out there who's really skeptical of this. Yeah. It helped me think, hey, there's all the Muslims also believe yeah, this. If they right. believe it, why wouldn't I believe it? Yeah. Okay, but I think the bigger question people have, which Watchman addresses here in, in the very first couple of paragraphs, is the modernistic theologians assert that one reason alone was enough to disprove the virgin birth. The event was biologically impossible. Uh. So I'm looking at at, at the second page of this chapter here. Yeah, Is that 44 for you? 44 for me. Yeah, me too. Biologically impossible. I I think that's where most people are going to have a problem with this doctrine that the virgin birth, it just can't happen. Uh Don't we know that it takes... It takes two. It takes two, right? You need a male and a female to get a human child. Um, But I think think there's a, a good way to approach this. And... Washmany, uh, in this next section, did it happen or not, I think hints at a very good approach to this. Mm-hmm. He differentiates between can it happen versus has it happened. And he tells a story. Do you remember yeah. the story? This story was really good Why don't really you tell the story real quick? Yeah. I thought that was good. So he's recounting this um, debate between a Presbyterian theologian and um, some other modernistic um, theologians that are basically jettisoning, jettisoning yeah. uh, much of the Christian faith yeah. due to um, our living now in this age of disenchantment. Exactly. And um, everything exactly, needing to be explained by science and reason. Um, so, but he, he's, he's responding and recounting this debate. I'll just read this paragraph. So, Um, They asked, can this happen? And they referred to academic principles. And so since they came to the conclusion, no, that's not how human babies come forth. It takes two. Then they 
come to the assumption, no, it didn't happen. Okay, but here's what the Presbyterian pastor theologian came to the conclusion of. I am asking, has this happened? I point to a historical occurrence. It is one thing to be academically justified. It's another thing to be historically recorded. Okay, then he starts getting into, he pulls out the newspaper. Yeah. He starts talking about how (laughs) just the other day, this is amidst the debate, this pastor theologian brings out this paper and he says, just the other day, uh, this man tumbled in his car down this, I don't know if it was a ditch or a mm-hmm. mountain or a hill or whatever. but A deep gorge. A deep gorge. <laughs> and every bit of the car was mangled, um, destroyed, totaled, yet... Tumbled down a thousand feet into ruin, it says. A thousand feet into ruin. Yet, the man comes out unharmed. Yet, the man was unharmed. My friends would ask, could this man live? But yeah. my question is, is this man alive? Yeah. He is alive. If you consider the possibility, there is none. But if you consider the fact, there it is. Yeah. So he's pointing to uh, the crux here is that, yeah, normally you would say, no, there's no way that can happen. But the fact is, is that it did. Yeah. This guy is alive. Look at it. It's recorded here in this newspaper. And so it's appropriate for us to ask this question, not just is that possible, but did it happen? Yeah, and I like this because this points to, I think, a a big principle that I think it's helpful to latch onto here. Um, The story is illustrating something we all know to be true, that we've experienced things, we've seen things, we've come to know things that seem impossible, but they happened and we can't deny it. So the principle is that there are many things in the universe that we know for Mm -hmm. fact, or that we have experienced that we can't explain. Yeah, That's the principle. There's many things we know for fact, they've been scientifically can't proven, explain. we can experience it, yet we have no explanation for it. And so let me just give you uh, a couple of these. Yeah, give us some um, examples. The first one I came up with is uh, dark matter. Yeah. Have you heard of dark a, matter? It's a cool space term, yeah. but that's all I know about it. <laughs> dark matter is the concept that, um, and this is a, you know, well-held, commonly held scientific uh, fact that of all the visible matter in the universe, all of that visible matter only accounts for 5% of the known mass of the universe. Okay. Now, if it's been a while since you took physics, mass is a fancy science way of yeah. saying weight. Okay. You know, all right. how, much it, how much it weighs, the mass right. it has. So we're looking at the universe, and we, we can tell that the universe should have this kind of mass but of all the things that we can look at, the sun, the, you know, the stars, the planets, we can only account for 5% of the mass. Huh. So no one knows why this is, and so we've, you know, we've come up with this theory of dark matter. There's got to be stuff out there we can't see to make up the missing mass. Okay, another one is gravity. We experience it all the time, but if you look it up online, you dig into this, uh, gravity is unexplained. Huh. We know gravity is there. We know we experience it but we don't have any explanation for it. Mm. We have not found any particles to explain it, and without those particles existing, all the science around those forces will break down. Mm. So we, we know it's there, but we can't explain why it's there or why it works. My favorite is quantum entanglement. Okay, so I, heard you, <laughs> I heard you talking about this the other day, and this seemed wildly interesting to me. Yeah, so quantum entanglement is... It's been proven that molecules, however far apart, can become what they call quantumly entangled. 
Okay. So imagine playing Twister, you're all linked up with other people, except y'all are spaced out thousands of miles. And okay. these molecules undergo a change simultaneously. If, if one undergoes a change, the other one undergoes that same change simultaneously, yeah. even though it may be across the world. Hmm. And so no one can understand why this ha happens or how it happens, but we know that it does happen. Hmm. So I think understanding this will help us approach the virgin birth with understanding that a lack of explanation does not equal something is impossible. That's good. A lack of explanation. I, I can't explain it. That does not equal it's impossible. That's good. Because we experience things all the time that seem impossible. Yeah. Quantum entanglement, it messes with our very understanding of space, time, cause, effect, and yet we know what happens. Yeah. How does it happen? I can't explain it. Wow. So I think for you know a skeptic uh, hearing about the virgin birth, I think examples like these can really help us understand that the world is very mysterious. Yeah. Um, let me read you this quote from Albert Einstein. I love this. The most beautiful thing we can experience is the mysterious. Wow. It's the source of all true art and science. Mm. So Albert Einstein, obviously the guy's genius. For sure. Revolutionizing our understanding of how the world works. And he says the most beautiful thing we can experience is the mysterious. Yeah. And the virgin birth is mysterious. Yeah. Can it happen? Yes. yes. Yes, it did. Can you explain how it happened? <laughs> no. I can't either. No. But um, now let me give you this too. I think this is also an interesting approach to help someone who's struggling with this, you know, isn't this just a myth, a virgin birth? We know this can't happen. There are 50 species, more than 50 species, that can give birth without a male's involvement. Wow. The scientific term is parthenogenesis. Okay. Parthenogenesis. Parthenos is the Greek word for virgin. Okay. And genesis is right. what we're familiar with for origin. So the Komodo dragon, for instance. Really? The Komodo dragon <laughs> can reproduce without a male. The female can okay. just have a yeah. child. Yeah, that's really interesting. And there's, there's over, <laughs> Chris, there's over 50 species known that can do this. Certain birds, certain snakes, yeah. certain sharks, ants, bees. Yeah. And so I think, again, this will help us at least approach this New Testament claim with a little yeah. bit more uh, um, wariness of our own certainty that it yeah. can't happen. Yeah. Hey, number one, there's things in the universe that we know happen we can't explain, quantum mm -hmm. entanglement. There's also certain animal species that can do this. Yeah. Does that mean human beings can do it? Not normally. Not normally, but it happened. But God can do it <laughs> if he wants to. Yeah. And so I think this is the big point that the virgin birth will, will bring us to, is that this is truly God's intervention in human history, in human experience. Mm -hmm. Number one, we would expect it to be unusual. Yep. And number two, we shouldn't be stumbled with God doing the unusual. No, Because you know why? Shouldn't. He's God. He's God. Yeah, and exactly. And let me, let, me, let me add this one too, Chris. A lot of Christians uh, or believers in God are missing a big, obvious mm. uh, way to think about this. If God can create the universe out of nothing, certainly he can bring a human child out of a, a woman without yeah. the male's involvement. Certainly. Because creating the world out of nothing is a bigger miracle. Yeah. So God's already done the biggest miracle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the virgin birth shouldn't stumble us. Yeah. I think this is helpful to us, um, maybe especially us um, reasonable, 
um, calculating Westerners. I don't know if that's the case, but I, I mean, anyway, to me, it comes off this way. I hope that there's some holy pushback in our inner man here. It's always looking for the, the reasons and the, well, uh, prove it to me. Give me the science. Yeah. I want to see it charted out. Um, I, want the, I want the facts. I want the study. I want the data. I hope that we receive some holy pushback here and are honestly humbled under the mighty hand of God. Yeah. Um, you know what? Uh, Watchman, he brought this out in the first chapter, um, giving us our appropriate place in the universe. Um, we're just men. Yeah. We're just. We're limited. We're limited. And we're small. We're small. We don't know all. We don't see all. We yeah. can't explain all. There is Almighty God. There's an ancient of days in the universe, and He speaks, and there is. Yeah. And so I, I feel like we need this kind of, I don't know, this kind of wake up call to realize who we are and where our place is in the universe and also freshly realize God is God. Yeah. And He can do anything. Yeah. If He can hang the earth on nothing and speak the universe into being, surely He can bring forth a human child That's without right. a male's involvement. That's right. So I don't know. I just think this is especially helpful to us here in the West in our learned universities with our facts That's and our right. data and our at all. You know yeah. what I'm saying. We need this. And let me just let me just throw this in, Chris. I think that's a really great point. And I think it's helpful to uh, think of it from another perspective. The other big miracle that Christians claim is the resurrection of Jesus yeah. from the dead. Yeah. And can you explain that biologically? I can't. I can't either. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone can. Yeah. How does a truly dead body yeah. Come back. Yeah. Or the Christian's resurrection at the end of the age when Jesus mm -hmm. comes back. How do you do you gather all those molecules back that have dispersed? And yeah, good question. What about somebody who was burned and their ashes were scattered? I mean, how yeah. do you explain the re the physical bodily resurrection of Christians? Yeah. How do you explain that biologically? Yeah. But all Christians believe it. So Jesus' birth and his resurrection are these kind of two miracles that are marking off his human existence mm -hmm. as unique, special. They're, they're signs pointing to this is God's direct uh, invasion of human space, time, yes. and history to accomplish his eternal purpose. Yeah. And we can't explain it, but we can marvel at it. We can worship God yes. that he has yes. taken the initiative. Oh, That's awesome. the point of the virgin birth. Awesome. God himself has taken the initiative. He's set aside the sinful male mm. who, who has governed human history with his yeah. initiative and his decisions and his lust for power and control. Yeah. God has set that element aside, and he himself, by the power of his spirit, has created a new creation in yeah. the womb of a virgin yes. and brought forth the mingling of God and man Whoa. in one person, Jesus Christ. That's good. That's so good. It, it should evoke... Uh, I love I love what you mentioned the the disenchanted world of mm -hmm. 2019. Yeah, Christianity has something beautiful and awesome. That's right. In the most literal sense, something full of awe to yeah. offer to uh, the non-Christian world about how the world works. There yeah. is God, and God is not even the concept of miracles. We're going to see later is mm -hmm. not really the best way to think of this because 
that's almost assuming a world where there is no God and something that can't happen happens. Well, if you have a world where there's God, anything can happen. Anything can happen. And let me just read you, this is exactly what uh, the Luke, the writer of the Gospel of Luke mentions right after the uh, announcement to Mary mm. that she's going to have this experience. Yeah. Of course, you know, sometimes we may think, well, you know, we are more scientifically advanced. We know where babies come from. And back then, they didn't really know. The whole point of the story is Mary's troubled. She's asking, how is this going to happen? Why is she asking that? Because she knows where babies come from. Yeah. In Matthew's account of Joseph, he's about to divorce her. Yeah. Why? Because he doesn't believe that God would intervene? No, because he knows if Mary's pregnant, yeah. I know where babies come from. Exactly. So we, the, the relationship's over. So it's not like they're unaware that it takes two, uh-huh. you know. But listen to what uh, the writer Luke says here in Luke chapter 1, 37. The angel uh, says this, No word will be impossible with God. Amen. And if you've got God in the equation, that's really all you need to swallow the virgin birth. And praise God for his intervention for salvation to accomplish something we can never do. It really points to all of God's operation for salvation. God does it. God initiates it. We, in a sense, receive. We receive. And we rejoice like Mary. May it happen to me according to the word of the Lord. Yes. Amen. What an appropriate way to demarcate clearly to the whole universe, God has become a man. Exactly. Really good. I love it. Okay, let's uh, let's hit some of our other qualifications here, huh? Yeah. As we keep moving through. So we've got our second qualification there yep. with his... Unusual entrance. Unusual entrance. And then how about our third qualification? I'm not skipping any here, all right? Uh, am I? I'm moving on to what kind of morality did Jesus yeah. of Nazareth have? Exactly. So I thought this was incredible. In John 8, 46, Watchman Nee brings this challenge yeah, I love this. that Jesus issues forth to the Jews that are, uh, frankly, desiring to kill him. He says this, Jesus says this as they're examining him and cross-examining examining him. He says, which of you convicts me of sin? Yeah. John 8, 46. Yeah, I love that. Which of you convicts me of sin? What a tremendous challenge. I mean... And then, and then watch me, he, he, I'm just going to read this to you. He says, whoever dared do such a thing would be put to shame the minute his wife <laughs> stood up to testify against him. Yeah, I wrote LOL on the margin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think any of us who have roommates, uh, parents, brothers, sisters, um, our spouse, our children, they all recognize, yeah, yeah, th- that person's full of sin. Yeah. There's so many things that we've done, too many. Sure. If any of us were to issue this kind of challenge, who, who in here, who in this whole world can convict me of sin, we'd be blown to pieces yeah. by all our friends and family, everybody yep. that loves us, not yeah. even our enemies. Jesus issues this challenge, and no one has a word to say. Exactly. Incredible. Yeah. What a high level of morality yeah. that is unmatched in any previous historical record. Exactly. And this goes back to something we talked about, uh, I think, last time or two times ago, that um, a lot of people appreciate this aspect of Jesus, his high morality, his model human living, and his moral teachings, and then try and, you know, divorce the logical conclusions that how can this be a normal man? Yeah. One example I was thinking, Chris, was running for president. Okay. 
you know, do you, would you ever want to run for president? No. Why not? Because everything I've <laughs> ever done would get drudged up. Exactly. And put on display. Exactly. And it's <laughs> it's a sad example of total depravity to me. Totally. I mean, the, the yeah. responses of people that just want to destroy people. But if you're running for president, that kind of public position, yep. you are inviting the scrutiny of the country. Yep. And we see it every time there's a new presidential uh, race. Um, the dirt will be found. Uh, the mud will be slung. Yep. Uh, the slur campaigns will be paid for. Yep. Um, and those people aren't saying, hey, I'm sinless. Come at me. No, they're not. <laughs> and, and, and yet just their publicity and their, their, their uh, running for that office People bring all that out. Yep. Jesus, claiming to be God, puts forth the claim, okay, convict me of sin. Convict Who me can of do sin. it? Yeah. And there's silence. Silence. So I love thinking of it like from a presidential election mm-hmm. stance because we've all seen that. Yeah. We've all seen the dirt totally. come up. There's been no dirt on Jesus for the last 2,000 years no. on the morality side. That's right. And in fact, if you think about Jesus' trial at the end of his life, yeah. okay, right? Jesus is before Pilate. Mm-hmm. The Jews have brought them there brought him there. The whole trial is unique compared to any other trial uh, that I know of. Yeah. Most trials are about what someone has done wrong. Mm. Jesus's trial is about who he is, huh. not what he's done. Wow, All the questions, are you the king of the Jews? Yeah. Are you what they say? Are you really claiming to be what they say you claim to be? Wow. Are you the king of the Jews? Are you the son of God? Are you the Messiah? That's interesting. It's an identity it's an identity trial. Yeah. Who are you? Not what have you done? Yeah. Because there's nothing to talk about there. The yeah. Jews, uh, wow. if you look at John, I think it's uh, 197, the Jews, mm. they say we have a law and he must die because he made himself the son of God. Yeah. So they were clear. That's right. So Jesus good. is without sin. I love this next par- this next section here. No need to repent. I think this is a yeah. kind of a funny way to think about it. Jesus <laughs> never sure. had to apologize. No apologies. He never had to say I'm sorry. Yeah. No, uh, I beg your pardons. Yeah. <laughs> no excuse me. Yeah, yeah, and either that's a very haughty, yeah. uh, just self, you know, you just fool yourself, or that's how it should be. Yeah, because he's right and holy to the uttermost. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting, yeah. interesting way to put it. Yeah, that's good. So Jesus didn't have sin. No His high moral standard, which most people in the world appreciate, yeah. uh, is a big pointer to his identity. Absolutely. And uh, I just point out, you know, he didn't have sin, he forgave sin. Yeah. Which yeah. means all sin was against him. Wow. So the oh, sinless wow. one forgiving the sinners mm-hmm. means all of our sins were not just against against friends, parents, society. Those were sins against him. Otherwise, wow. he wouldn't forgive us. That's good. Only the offended party can, can forgive. offer forgiveness. That's good. So again, that's a huge point Pointer to who is Jesus. Yeah. What's wanna, our next one? Well, I just want just one more thing to highlight yeah. here before this last uh, qualification or, or our next two qualifications. Um, Watchman, he points out his calmness and majesty. Yeah, that was good. Jesus, um, in regards to Judas, Jesus knows all along that he's going oh, to get betrayed. Yes. He knows all I along. Love this. But what a high morale. What a high morality. What an incredible person. Knowing that Judas is going to betray him, 
he still allows him to follow him, includes him in the 12. I love that. It's not just, uh, yeah, I know you're going to betray me, but I'll kind of keep you on the outskirts. Yeah. He includes him in the 12 and even lets him be the purse keeper. Yeah. He's keeping the money. He's the money collector. Yeah. Knowing the whole time that Judas is stealing money. Yeah. So watch me ask this question. Who can demonstrate such forbearance and uprightness? Yeah. Here is a man who is absolutely different from all others. In every respect, he has been proven to be the Son of God. Yeah. Only, That's awesome. Only, only God could be so forbearing to do something like this yeah. to a um, sinful a thief. Uh, a thief, a sinful man, a traitor, but who still bears the image of God. Yeah. So merciful. That's right. And one point I always love to bring up with people, Chris, on this is think about the Last Supper, mm. right? Uh, a lot of people are familiar with the Last Supper. Jesus is there with his 12 disciples. And during the dinner, he tells them, one of you will betray me. Yeah. You remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, most people, I think, are familiar with that. Now, here's a huge proof for the fact that for the last three and a half years, Jesus treated Judas the same as everyone else yeah. and really loved him on the level of divinity, yeah. the, the, the way only God could love. Yeah. Because when he asked, or when he said, one of y'all will betray me, we would have thought, Everyone would have gone, you know, I was, I've been getting weird vibes from Judas the whole time. I knew it was that guy. I knew, I knew you were doing something. Yeah. That's not the response. That's not the response. Everyone says, is it, is it me? It's not me, is it? Yeah. They have no guesses that it's Judas. Yeah. Which proves that Jesus has lived out a level of love and forbearance and uprightness in uh, equity and fairness, yeah. and even his treatment of the one he knew was going to betray him. Really no one had true. any guesses. Oh, it's Judas. Duh. Yeah. I've seen that coming. No. Nobody, nobody saw knew. it coming. So Jesus, that's a great uh, window into how Jesus must totally. have lived towards even the ones he knew were his enemies. Total, totally. Surely he's the son of God. I'm in. <laughs> All right. Our fourth qualification, he performed impossible acts. Yep. He must be able to perform what an ordinary person cannot. Yep. Okay, I thought this was really interesting. Watch when he brings up this point that today we read the four Gospels and we might think, oh yeah, well, I mean, all that kind of miracle stuff, that, that probably didn't happen. Yeah. But the interesting thing that he brings up is that they were, they were written uh, during the first century. Yep. The Gospels were written not long after Jesus' actual life on the earth. They're historical narratives by people that were literally there or uh, a contemporary of that time who exactly. carefully researched into these things. So he yep. says this, If there had been a slight error when they were written, there would have been grave problems because many of the contemporaries had actually seen and heard Jesus. Yeah. There was no chance for any fabrication. Hence, these books cannot be a hoax. Yeah. Whenever the Jews had a problem or were trying to debunk or discount Jesus, what they were always getting at was that he's not God. Yeah. They never touched his... Um, moral actions. They never touched his miracles. Why? Because they were actually there. Exactly. It happened. Exactly. So there's no way to fabricate it. Yeah. It would be like claiming, you know, hey, 
Steph Curry made a shot from the parking lot. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, everyone was there. Yeah, you, exactly. You couldn't make that claim and really get it past yeah. the contemporary audience because they were like, hey, we know Steph Curry's good, but yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah. So no one, none of those contemporaries of the Gospels were out. People who had seen it, who had been there, uh, that wasn't the point of attack. The mm -hmm. point of attack was, this guy's not God. Yeah. This guy's not God. Y'all are trying to make up something to bolster some religion or, you know, whatever it mm -hmm. was. Um, but the fact that he did these miracles proves that yeah. he is God. Exactly. I really like this verse that Watchman brings up later, John 14, 11. Jesus says, believe because of the works yeah. themselves. I yeah. love that. It's a great kind of one phrase, mm -hmm. half of a sentence summarizer. Believe yeah. because of the works themselves. And this again shows you that in Jesus' mind, the works point to his identity. Exactly. So Jesus himself would put this one on a list of you know, qualifications. Yeah. Believe because of the works. And then also in 1025, right before that, the works which I do in the Father's name, these testify concerning these me. These testify. So the works speak. Concerning The me. works speak. Yeah, that's good. All right, what's our last one here? Last one, we have um, Jesus showed what God is. Mm -hmm. He has knowledge that we're not aware of. You right. got something on this, Kyle? Yeah, so the point here, uh, again, I think if you read the, the paragraph on it from the last chapter, the point is Jesus' access to a, a, an amount and a level of knowledge and revelation that mm. or, ordinary human beings don't have don't. access to. Right. Jesus can show us clearly plainly, authoritatively, who God is, yeah. what God's doing, what the divine plan is, how it's going to unfold, uh, what the result's going to be, how do we enter into it. Yeah. Um, these aren't. He's not presenting these as uh, guesses or recommendations. Mm. He's presenting, he's showing, he's, he, it's almost like he's pulling out the blueprint for us. Yeah. He has access to, here's what the building's going to look like. We're, we're barely just breaking foundation here, mm -hmm. but let me show you what the whole thing looks like. How does he have that access? Because he's part of the, the company. Exactly. You know, he's the owner, the client of the divine building. Yeah. God's building a house. And Jesus can show us what God's like. What kind of God is there? Yeah. Versus just speculating, well, God maybe is like this, or we just don't know. Right. Conjecture. Yeah. Jesus has access to that level of divine knowledge, and he consistently brings it out uh, in a radical and... I would say compelling way in his teaching. Very compelling. Yeah. That's why the Bible's still the bestseller every year. Yeah, and honestly, Chris, you know, um, to me, this one, uh, Jesus' teaching is mm. kind of what we're talking about here. His teaching on God and God's purpose for man and salvation. His teaching, I would say, is a stronger uh, proof and identifier even than the miracles. Mm. Of course, the miracles are impossible for anyone else to do. Yeah. Um, and so we may think, well, you know, maybe anyone could eventually come up with a divine plan and that kind of knowledge, but no one could do a miracle. Well, I think in our, in our age where so many people question miracles, I'm probably going to put most of my chips in showing people the teaching, mm. the teaching of the Bible, the teaching of Jesus. It's so striking. That's good. It's so unique uh, what Jesus has shown us of God yeah. and the divine plan uh, and I think that's something a lot of people can latch on to totally. and value and appreciate uh, and come to terms with, 
hey, that's good. This this is coming from none other than God in the flesh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No one would have guessed this was the divine plan. Yeah. No one would have guessed that God wanted to become one with man. Yeah. And not just one man. Yeah. No one would have guessed. With all of us too. No one would have guessed <laughs> that God wants to yeah. be a bridegroom yeah. to His people as a bride. Really good. You can't make that up. Yeah. That's divine revelation from the very God himself who originated the plan right in front of us in the flesh. And what a good commendation I just feel this is for daily, habitual, scheduled Bible reading. That's right. When you (laughs) actually read the New Testament, actually read it. Not just know about it, not just own 4.7 per household like most of America does. 4.7 Bibles per household. But when you actually take up and read, open the book, open the app, read the words, you pick up these qualifications. That's right. And they work on you. That's right. His claims to be divine, his coming forth and how that's different from others, his moral standard, his necessarily being able to perform things others can't do, his miracles, and his revelation, his being able to tell the divine purpose concerning man and being able to reveal God to us in a way no other philosopher, no other religious person ever has. That's right. When we actually read the Bible, these qualifications work on us, and they impart faith into us. That's right. It's really good. Okay, I just want to close with this last paragraph. Great. This is so good. I love how Watchman Nee um, asked this question to the, us, the reader, or the hearers at the time. Remember, these That's are right. gospel messages. Mm-hmm. Listen to this. Dear reader or listener, what is your attitude towards Jesus of Nazareth? Thomas confessed, my Lord and my God. Peter proclaimed, you are the son of the living God. Martha said, I have believed that you are the Christ, the son of God. Even a Roman centurion exclaimed at the sight of Jesus hanging on the cross, Truly, this was the Son of God. I hope you will make the same confession. Doesn't this just fill you with faith? Yeah. (laughs) I love reading this uh, this book and getting into these verses. So confirming. And I just feel like it's just adding weight and concrete to our foundation uh, the foundation of our faith, our subjective right. faith and our inner man. Really good. That's great. So that wraps up today's podcast. Yeah. Uh, just as a heads up, next week we'll be starting section two That's of right. the normal Christian faith. So we'll be kind of shifting gears into Christ and Christianity. Yes. Uh, now that we've seen God has come among us in the flesh, Jesus Christ, he's communicated uh, the divine plan. We're going to be diving into what is that divine plan? What is Christianity now really all about? That's right. And I'm going to try and squeeze in that bonus episode we've been talking about. Click the link below. Send us your quotes, your questions, your enjoyments. We're going to put those together, include them, and then get into this next session.